Well, welcome back to another re-education experience podcast with me, your host, Darren Langill. And today, you don't just have to hear from me. We get an incredible guest that I've been trying to get on for a long, long time. But once you hear who he is, you'll know why it's taken a while, because he's a busy man. He's an important man. And, and beyond that, the reason I wanted to bring this gentleman on is because he played an incredible important part in my business development. And uh, we spent a lot of time together. We spent four full years and the, the person I'm bringing on today is Bill Pipes. He is a master head coach at Tom Ferry. He's been with the Mike Ferry organization, the MAPS coaching at Keller Williams. And I actually don't know your specific current role there within the organization, Bill, but Bill was my personal coach for four years and he led my team coaching for many years while I ran one as well. So he is a wealth of knowledge and I could just spend the whole podcast introducing him, but oh, that won't do you any good, the <laughs> listeners. So Bill, welcome to the show. Bro, thank you. And, and for everyone that's listening, uh, Darren and I were talking about this. Once upon a time, I had a podcast called Real Success um, and Darren was my first guest, my very first guest that I ever interviewed for the podcast. And so it's just so, it's such a privilege to be back and, and to be on the opposite side now at this point to watch how much you've grown and, and expanded and just, you know, the transformation that's taken place and continues to take place, man. So big ups on you and kudos, bro. Oh, man, I appreciate that. And yes, our journey was between about 2013 and 2017. Yep. And then as things pivoted at Redline, we made some changes and I paused some coaching, but we've maintained a relationship and I've just watched Bill continue to just take over the world. And uh, so Bill, like at the organization within Tom Ferry, what's the current uh, role that you play? So I'm a team plus coach, right? And I'm one of the primary speakers next to Tom. I, I'm the guy that they bring in to be able to actually, you know, coach people on influence, persuasion techniques, basically the fundamentals of sales, right? Um, I think, and you know, Darren, one of the things that I believe very strongly in right now is that, um, you know, and you do such a great job of marketing and video and everything else. And I think we're still in a business where we have to lead with prospecting and skills and discipline, and then support that with great marketing and enhance it, if you will, with marketing. And so, you know, like I'm that, that voice in the organization that says, yes, all this marketing and everything is so critical to be able to actually create brand awareness. Um, however, you have to stick to the fundamentals of blocking and tackling. And so I'm the blocking and tackling coach that says, here's how you prospect. Here's how you uh, follow up with leads effectively. Here's what you say. Here's how you create rapport with someone. Here's how you do a, a, a very effective listing presentation, buyer presentation, negotiations, et cetera. So that's my role. I've done um, up until about last year, I was the coach of the coaches. So I oversaw all the coaches, all 174 of our coaches and our, our nine mentor coaches that actually worked with them and then oversaw all the speakers as well too. And so now, now really just focused on my passion, which is coaching, teaching and, and, and speaking at this point. Yeah. yeah I mean, great summary. And the, for those that don't aware, the team plus coaching level is the elite of the elites. It's as, this is those building strong teams, mega teams, monster cross national, cross border teams. And Bill gets to play into that space. And Bill's background prior to all this was in real estate too. So he led teams in multi multiple teams we were across in states. Five locations. Like when we, when I finally sold it, I got done. 
and just was sort of like, I, I sold it for pennies on the dollar to my team members because I just, had, I was done. You know what I mean? Like I'd gotten to the point where I'm like, Hey, I, I want to continue with my passion, which is helping people down the path and uh, sold it to Mark Reganson or Mark Robinson and Dave Reganson, two of my key team members. They took that and ran with it, or at least the primary portion here at the hub in Salt Lake city. Um, Darren, I've done, and I'm saying this not to impress, but I've done I uh, just did the math, 111, 112,000 coaching sessions. So there's like 50, 60,000 hours. It's insane, right? Like when, when I added up of coaching that's in there. So it's, you know, it's what I love. And, you know, hopefully I can bring some value to everyone who's listening today is my goal. Could you give me a little, like a lot of people have done coaching, maybe for a minute. Some think about it. Oh, I don't need that. Or I do like, what is the true role do you feel of a coach um, in, if you were to hire one? It's a really good question. I, and I wish that there was one answer and say like this is the role of a coach. However, it really varies what I found over the years and is dependent upon the level of production that the agent is at or the length of time or experience that they have in the business. Um, a newer agent needs more fundamental training and, and how to be a salesperson, understanding real estate and disciplines of following a schedule and um, you know being able to uh, have the right mindset, right? And I, I, I'll relate it to this and you'll see the stages. I relate that to like a high school football coach, right? Like football down here in the States. Um, they're going to work with the fundamentals. They're going to do blocking, tackling, um, passing, catching, receiving, and just the fundamentals. But then you get into college and there's an assumption that when you, if you progress, whether it's hockey or football or anything, you progress in that collegiate level athlete. Well, they don't need the same thing that someone that was a high school level athlete does. They still need some fundamental work, et cetera. And real estate's the same way. I think when someone gets over that 20 to 25 transaction mark, it's a little bit different. Uh, we're working with them, or I would work with that person on how to be able to expand their lead sources, how to optimize um, the conversion rates that they're getting from their lead sources, how to be able to look at PL and understand, like run it more like a business. Um, and, you know, unless as a sole proprietor and operator, because at 25, 30 transactions, you're probably bringing on an assistant, you know, or potentially a showing agent. So now we have to work on a little bit fundamental leadership skills as well, too. Then you get to like a Bill Belichick, right? Uh, you know, a, a coach at the NFL. Well, look, that, that, that NFL coach isn't trying to pump you up, right? I mean, could you imagine Bill Belichick coming in going, all right, guys, let's get motivated. No, there's an assumption that when someone's in the NFL or NHL or NBA, they don't need the motivation. You know, every now and again, they need to need some, some support. But what they need to be looking at is how to be able to actually develop other leaders around them, how to be able to scale uh, really the functionality of data and how data is, is utilized to be able to make intelligent decisions, um, ancillary services of mortgage, et cetera. So, so really is not a, a, a one size fits all answer. It really depends upon where that person is. Uh, and and I've, I've seen it like really um, solidified into about those three different categories, right? Right, so it makes sense. I mean, I would assume that not all coaching, not all coaching organizations could allow for that growth, right? Some play to a specific thing and everybody follows a similar path or a blueprint but it's like fit everybody in this box because I built this program. I think everybody follows. But what you're saying is, you know, coaching should really be more about where they're at, forming something specific to them. And yeah. that, I mean, you're in a different role where you could offer that whole spectrum, right? Sure. But, the, but the average coach probably can't. And then, then is it fair to say that people would transition through coaches through uh, an organization like Tom Ferry? Yeah, for sure. Depending upon the caliber and, and also the, um, 
the experience of that coach. I mean, you could get like, you know, Eileen Rivera and work with her from being a brand new agent all the way through to, uh, you know, running a, a very big and large and successful team. I personally will take on two brand, when I say brand new, I mean, they're doing less than 25 transactions a year agents every single year, because I want to make sure that I still have that, that connection with, you know, the boots on the ground person. I don't want to become ivory tower where all I work with are these individuals that are really CEOs and they're, you know, they're no longer in production. So I purposefully do that, you know, to be right. able to keep that edge. So, um, so I, I know when I was in the organization that at the end of the year, you know, Tom and everybody, you'd come together and you describe kind of a summary of how to, the prior year was. And, and it would be in a sense of, well-coached agents under our organization would do X volume versus say the average NAR or Canadian agent would do kind of X. And there's a significant difference. The third, it was between, 13X. It, like, is it, that what it, it was? It ranged anywhere from 10 to 13X, right? So, right. Um, and then obviously if you look at, you know, different portions of the organization like Team Plus, I mean, the, the average person that I coach right now, and again, not saying this to impress because they all started at different levels, uh, uh, earned about $3.039 million last year. Wow. So, and that takes a range of someone like Nick Fong that's earning 12 million all the way down to Rich Richani that earned 175 as one of those new agents that I, that I, I brought on. So yeah, it's a range, yeah, you know, but for, but I think our number picture. is like 40, our number is 40, 36 to 40 transactions is the norm of someone inside the ecosystem. Yeah. it's a lot of people listening. Like they're thinking I could never get to that. And, sure. and I, I mean, I wanted to start this with you because I know how much of an impact it made in my business. Um, and then fairly quickly too, right? Because I mean, we're in this incredible market where all tides are rising, right? All ships are rising. And, and a lot of people don't even realize that they're getting fat and lazy, oh. right? And they're, they're just like, they're just, they don't realize that their past clients called somebody else who right. great, did a YouTube video because there's enough quality real estate conversations just coming to us. And uh, I mean, I, even on my email that I wrote out to my, to my agents today was speaking to the fact that you got to sharpen your pencils in a market like this. Always. Yes. Dude, like, uh, okay. So when you said that, I could felt, I felt my entire body like go, okay, let's talk, right. Let's, let's get into this enough about like background history. Let's talk nuts and bolts here, guys. Uh, here's the challenge of this market. And you hit the nail on the head, Langell, man. It's this, it's that the market, believe it or not, is doing a large portion of the heavy lifting right now. It is creating the, the motive to take action of buyers because uh, at least down here in the States, interest rates have gone up 75, uh, 75 bips, 60 bips over the course since like mid-November. Um, you know, if you look at that, this trend of buyers that jumped off the fence and said, oh gosh, I got to do something in December uh, and the constriction of inventory that took place. Well, that constriction came because the normal uh, uh, holiday market and the seasonality, but also you had rates pop up buyers. It was like, Hey, it's the lights are on in the party. Like it's over. Oh gosh, I got to get into action. It created urgency. Well, an agent didn't have to say anything to do that. The rates did it for them. Right. Um, you know, honestly, you know, for listings, if you show up, you've dressed somewhat relatively professional and you're on time and you don't say anything stupid, right. You're going to be able to get that, that home on the market minus having to handle the objection of gosh, we'll sell, but where are we going to move to? There really isn't a lot of pricing conversation because homes right now, the latest data point are selling from anywhere from eight to 12% above ask price. So, you know, like th this is not a typical skill-based market that I've, that I've seen in the past. And, and it's really easy to be able to actually take your eye off the, the, the focus, which is, 
I've still got to actually keep my skills strong. I've got to maintain the behavior and the discipline of prospecting for one to two hours a day. I have to have some type of cadence, right? And, and dialogues to be able to follow up effectively to move people forward. And we lose that. You're absolutely correct that in this market, we lose it. And my major concern for all of you that are listening right now is this, is that this market will change, whether it's in, you know, like, August and September, like what, what uh, realtor.com is projecting for down here in the States and the increase in inventory or later, it'll change. And, and we've seen a lot of agents in the past that have gone to hero to zero because they didn't do the fundamentals, right? And so I don't want to be doom and gloom, Langell, and go, oh my God, the sky's yeah. falling because it's not. But I would be very clear. The sky is not falling. However, you have to continue to sharpen that ax. Otherwise, when it comes time to really swing it to ch chop the tree, it's going to be dull and you don't even know it. Yeah, and you mentioned something a little bit earlier. I'm glad you brought that up. It's this, it's this parallel effect of you are like the guy that, you know, in the organization working on the scripting and the fundamentals and like battling. And then, of course, we got guys like Jason speaking marketing and pushing things out. But there's a long brand build that goes on with Huge. that, right? And it's relentless for us as realtors. It's for our career we're building a brand. Got it. But the reality what a, is, what a oh, lot of people so, sorry, what a lot of people don't recognize is like let's use a Glenda Baker as for example. You know, Glenda spent like seven years prospecting on the phone to be able to actually build up the validity of who she is and have that audience and that base. And then she launches in this marketing that really enhances. And this is something that I've said that I believe, and I see it, whether it's my, our buddy, Tommy tool or crumb Baker or Mac, or, um, you know, even DJ and Lindsay that you've had on this show before, or, uh, JD Lenar. I mean, I could just go on with a list of people, uh, that now are earning millions and millions of dollars. Um, it all started with a discipline of prospecting, right? And what I, what I have always said to the people that I coach is this, you have to lead with the discipline and the skills of prospecting, and you need to enhance that then with marketing and advertising. And this market has got that flip-flopped and you've got a bunch of people that are now trying to be influencers without being salespeople. And it works right now, but when the market shifts and changes, and we saw this last September, October, right? When the inventory began to increase before we saw it tighten again, there were people coming to me going, oh, I did a seminar up in Sacramento. The people were like, thank you for actually like talking to us like this. We didn't know what to do. It's like so different. And I'm like, in 30 to 45 days, it shifted like that. And then it shifted back to what we have seen for the last, you know, post pandemic. So oh, yeah, yeah. And you see those people winning on TikTok, winning on YouTube, winning on Reels, but then they are not connecting one-on-one -on -one with their current folks that they already have a contact record with. Yeah. <laughs> and they're just, and then you're, you're, you're going to call them back in six months and going to be like, oh, I've already bought and thanks yeah. because yeah. I registered online and that guy did better than you. That's right. That YouTube video convinced me that they're the person because I haven't heard from you for a year. Yes. Right. And you have, you're right. You, you do need that blend. And I love it. And up. it's not, I'm not anti-marketing. I'm just pro prospecting. <laughs> I want to be very, right. very clear about that. I'm not anti-marketing. I'm just pro prospecting because eventually you're going to have to open up your mouth and say something to that person. Right. And if you open up your mouth and what you say is ineffective incongruent, or not skill-based, you'll, you'll miss out on all the money and the, the effort that you put into the marketing to be able to actually even have that at bat. Right. Yeah. So, you know, speaking of that, you know, people, there are the people that are maxing out right now. They're, they've done the right things. They're getting the lead flow. The market's supporting them and it's coming in their way. And they're like, holy cow, this is like a fire hose of business. What does an agent do? You know, do I max out administration support? 
or do I just like say, I'm going to just all of a sudden say I'm a team and I got a bunch of agents coming to me. Like, what do you think is the better path? Yeah. Um, you've been a team plus coach. You've seen sure. Tom push coaching for a decade now. Yeah. Um, but we've also seen things fail. Yeah, right? for sure. I, I think that the, if you look at uh, what the most effective process actually is of expansion uh, and scaling, right? Um, number one is because a lot of people want to go directly over to hiring buyers agents and, and additional salespeople on the team, but what they don't have is good backend and operations and support. Well, I mean, you always had wonderful backend operations and support with your team. Oh gosh. What was that great admin that you had your head? Uh, yeah. Sheila was my, uh, Sheila, my rock for a right. while. Yeah. Sheila was your rock, you know, and before I would imagine before even, you know, before, well, Sheila was on the team, like she was one of the first people to help you actually scale it. And then you actually attracted all the rest. So here's what I would say is we're, we're a agent who's looking at, I'm maxed out. I don't have any man hours. I'm using all 1,440 minutes in the day as effectively as I can, or as effectively as I know to you hire a really kick-ass assistant and you pay them well. Okay. That is one of the big mistakes I've seen is, is, is if you do hire an assistant, either a, you hire someone that, you know, and their friend or whatever, and you bring them on versus getting clarity around what this role is and really looking at your avatar of who that person is. I've always said this, if you're going to hire your first assistant, make sure they've got at least two to three years of administrative assistant uh, work. They haven't jumped around in jobs. They have good work history and preferably they got some experience in, uh, uh, in, in real estate. And that could be a, look, the mortgage industry, for those of you that are thinking about hiring for assistant, the mortgage industry is about to start to lay off individuals because rates are going up and the refinance boom is over. And you've got all these processors right now that are going to be looking for a safe harbor. For me, that's a great hire as a real estate assistant because they understand and they follow processes and systems and guidelines, et cetera. I can teach that person how to be able to actually put a listing on the MLS very easily and they understand the process. So get clear on your avatar, get clear on the job description and then pay them well right? Because if you pay with peanuts, you're going to get monkeys. It's one of the mottos that I've always lived my life by. And I, I, I wish I could say I haven't made those mistakes, but I have, right? And that's why I now have that mantra that I live by is because I found if I find the right talent, don't be cheap with them. Um, because this is a rock, as you said, with Sheila, that you will build your business on. And once operations is in place, they come in and they can clean your shit up, right? Because we're all, most of us that are great, Darren, that are great at real estate. We're the proverbial visionary, the artist, the entrepreneur. We're not the operator. You're a great blend of both though. I got to tell you, that was one of the things I really enjoyed working with you is that you were a great blend of, of, the, of all three of those. But most of us are the artist, artist entrepreneur. And so we're not good at operations. So you want to get someone that's better than you that comes in and cleans up the mess that you made and gets it more systemic. At that point, you go, okay, I've got more time. I'm, I got a little bit of my time back. And I will say also that the hallucination, I'll like more hallucinations. The hallucination is I'm going to hire this person and in the first 30 to 45 days, time's going to come back to me. No, it's about a 60 day period that you're going to be investing more time than what you were doing prior to the assistant because you're training them oversight on them. And then at that, about that 45 to 60 day mark, you start to feel the rest of the uh, relief, right? So. Oh yeah, I remember that. You know, for us, it was probably about 90 days because you know, yep. for, for most of us, we're so type A driven and we're the one used to doing everything. And when you actually have to slow down and, and, and process it, it it's difficult and yes. it takes time and it takes time to build it back. Yeah. A question for you then, 
I think that just leads perfectly into then, okay, well, then you're prepared to actually provide a value proposition to another agent because there's such a, a right point that you just made. I hope people heard what you heard, DL. You have a value proposition because you get a system in place that's going to be able to actually support them in doing more. And so, yeah, yeah like we know, I mean, everybody knows like leads shouldn't be the first thing you join a team for, right? I mean, there that's part of it most of the time, if done well. Um, but when there's a system and a process and you've slowed down enough to max out a marketing admin or an administrator, you can now take over the world and you can drive the ship, right? Totally. It's a matter of like uh, turning, turning dials and pressing buttons at that point. So check this out. Um, you hit a good point. It's, it's your value proposition. If you're going to look at, and, and really people aren't joining teams for leads. Like if you, uh, the NAR has done, done a study of why people join teams. They join because they want support. They want culture. They want, they want to do, they don't want to do the shit. That is the minutia. They want to have someone take that off so they can do what it is that they love the most, which is go out and press palms, kiss babies and take listings and all that jazz. Right. So um, once you've got that operation sort of running, then you can begin to look at, well, what is it that I offer to an agent, right? And this is where, you know, you begin to bring on. And I think the next step is for a lot of us, what eats up a majority of the time is going out and showing property, especially in this market, having to drop everything. So you bring on a showing assistant that, uh, you know, like typical model is 15% that you pay them. They go to all, they do all showings for you. You have the initial conversation with that, with that buyer, the consult, you sit down with them face to face, bring in the showing agent. It's the person that has the ability to show you property. Don't call them assistant, call them my showing partner, right? Because otherwise it feels like you're being offset um, or they're being offset. And then that person opens up your time where you're not going out and showing all the property. And again, here's the key. What do you do with that additional time? Well, that additional time, you should be actually putting a focus on new strategies and systems to be able to actually go after more listings, right? And, and beginning to drive that portion of the business. That showing assistant, Darren, will typically evolve into a buyer's agent, right? Uh, and in many cases, some people will just go straight to the buyer agent uh, model and then they'll do you know, the commission split with the buyer's agent. They take it cradle to grave, et cetera. Now, I would say only do that if you have an overabundance of leads that are coming out of your ears, right? Because right. a lot of people, unless you're just completely overwhelmed with leads, you shouldn't even be thinking about uh, bringing on a buyer's agent. You should be thinking about how to be able to manage your time more effectively. How do I get more operation, more get my operations running more smoothly? How does somebody get over the hump of that cost, right? To that assistant, right? When it's like, man, they're, they're worried. They're usually complaining about a brokerage split or a brokerage monthly fee. And then now you're saying, well, tack on a month, you know, a fixed salary. And this, how does somebody mentally get over that? Or is there a quick solution to that? Um, a, you could start part-time. You could start, you could start it off with part-time B. Uh, now I will say this, um, the quality and the caliber of somebody that you hire part-time is typically not going to be quite at the level of someone that you hire. That's a full-time assistant, right? right? Because the people that are really good at their jobs are typically, and I'm not going to talk in absolutes, but are typically not looking for a part-time job, right? right. Um, you know, um, but you can start with that. Hey, we'll start at 20 hours a week and see if that person is a good fit and be able to actually bite the, the, the small bullet first. You could use virtual assistant uh, companies. Right. There's Summit VA, there's Virtue Desk, there's other ones, there's multitudes of them. Um, what I found is this, unless you're, all, unless you're good already at managing people, that can be a little bit of a challenge depending upon which company you're getting them from because you are going to have more oversight in that because they're not right next to you, which you can turn yeah, to. Yeah. If um, somebody's doing this, what kind of like 50,000 for an assistant, you're doing business, you were doing this part. What is 
a good return on that investment do you find you know do you, do you see it as a one-to-one -one ratio or do you see that that can double your production like what are you seeing with all the buildings okay. you've been a part so, of so so what i would and this is something i learned from from the elder fairy from mike years ago um, you typically need your first assistant around 20 to 25 transactions, right? When you've done that, um, and, and historically, um, salaries, the cost of salaries in relationship to business and your gross revenue is about 15%. It's about 12 to 15%. So let's say I'm earning $240,000. Well, you know, I, I look at that and I go, well, what's my, what's, what's my salary cost? Well, that's going to be somewhere around 30 to $35,000. Well, I can get a good baseline assistant, I think for that, it may not be someone that's going to take over the world, but I really don't need someone that's going to be a 60 to 70, $80,000 assistant at that point, because they're just going to be functioning in a lot of the minutia of the day to day. Yeah. Um, so you can start at that lower cost basis because the skill set necessary to be able to actually fulfill upon your needs are smaller. Right. Yeah. Um, then, uh, and I always look at it like this. I go, okay. And the question I ask my, my clients who are like Rich Rashani is a perfect example in Austin, Texas. The dude was a, uh, a, a firefighter, full-time firefighter. I started coaching him. I said, do you want to continue doing this? He goes, no, I've been wanting to quit for a long time. I go, cool. In two weeks, you're giving your notice. He goes, what? I go, yeah, you're giving your notice. He's like, well, I'm coach. Right? I'm like, no, you're done. Right. If you want to do it, why are you dragging your feet? And he hired an assistant. He went through, I'll tell you, he went through a couple of moments where he was like, oh shit, man, this is really tight, et cetera. And you'll feel that. But what it put pressure on him to do is prospect his face off because he's now dependent. Someone else's livelihood is dependent upon him. And so he didn't really have a lot of variance around that. Um, yeah. So um, I like to look at long winded answer for you. here. Yeah. I like to look at uh, if I'm at 24, that should get me up to about 50 transactions with a good assistant. And then oh, wow. so you're trying to double then with that trying to yeah. double at which point you bring on a secondary, like every 50 to 60 transactions, you're going to look at another, another team member that's going to be needed for operations. If you want to grow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I love that you bring that because you I mean, you know, we're a part of real broker and you know, exp has got its model. There's a lot of yeah. expansion. There's team evolution all over the planet right now. Yep. It's pretty wild to see. And everybody's gone from a bunch of iterations and, and this, this concept of like, how do I grow and scale this thing? A lot of people are kind of doing it wrong, right? They're doing it wrong because it's either image-based or it's just like a shell of a value, but you're, yeah. I love what you're saying is to just get there and go and build it, but give yourself something to, to, so that you can leverage yourself first yeah. before you're just trying to like use other people that are like only agents, yeah. right? To support you. Got it. And, and here's, here's one, one last thing. Cause I, I agree with you. I think a lot of people actually, you know, jump in the water and start building the boat. Right. Yeah. And it's, you know, and they end up with something that's ineffective uh, simply because they're not following a model, number one, that's proven. Uh, and, and there's plenty of them out there. And if whether it's Tom or whether it's other organizations, really, it doesn't matter to me. It's just get a coach that knows how to be able to make sure that what you're building doesn't end up looking like a patchwork quilt, right? Where you're just like by need putting shit on. Um, so that's number one, find the model. There's different models out there that will appeal to people. Make sure that that model is predicated based upon profit and not based upon just the perception and revenue, right? So that's the thing that one of the mistakes I've seen people make is they predicate uh, their success based upon uh, gross revenue. No, it's, it's, it's how much of it are you keeping? Because there's plenty of large teams out there, Darren, you know them. Yeah. they're selling millions and they're keeping a hundred thousand, 150,000. Yeah. Yeah. And it's yeah, not worth it. Sure. So that's number one. Number two is spend as much time building up your LQ. That's your leadership quotient as you did building up your SQ, which is your sales quotient as a salesperson. 
you, you've got to take the time to go to seminars about leadership. I mean, I, this entire section right here, all of this that I showed you is all my leadership uh, books. And on top of that, all the biographies that I've read of great leaders. Um, so take the time and I'm listening constantly with John Maxwell or, right. you know, like when Ed Milet or Frisella has, has great leadership individuals on or Jocko does, I'm listening to those guys to go, what can I take from that? Because I'm clear that when I became a leader of an organization, my own team, my LQ was minimal. My leadership quotient was minimal compared to my SQ, the great salesperson, right? You know, I knew how to sell, but what I was missing were the components and the functionality of leading people effectively and then developing other leaders around me. So you never stop growing around. And that's a good point. I mean, so if that, any of this sounds overwhelming, you, you just have a gut check first to say, why am I even doing this, right? What is the goal, right? Is it to double production or is it just to get some life back, right? And I'm sure you're finding there's coach oh. agents that get coached that say, I just want to create that quality back. And again, it probably comes back to administrator. Yeah. Now, Bill, I had like three pages of, of stuff I could ask you. And like I said, at the beginning of this, we could get through all of it, but you are a busy man. So I think that's all we have time for. And I got an, I got an idea, can... dude. I got an idea for you, bro. What's that? Okay. If, you're, if your audience wants it, if you want it, I'm totally fine uh, here in 30 days shooting another one of these. It will not take us. I give you my word that in 30 days, we can get another one on the books. It won't take us six years, right? There you so, go. <laughs> you I don't know? think it was quite six years, but yeah, let's do that. But it definitely let's... was like six months. I was trying to make this shit happen. So um, because like, honestly, Darren, I want to give back to you as much as it is that you've inspired me through watching your growth and both when we're working together. And also now as I'm in the bleachers cheering you on as you're taking the ball and running it down the field. So, you know, if these guys are down for it, if you're down for it, I'm I'm totally down then we can go more of a sales perspective i know that we got a chance to actually talk more of this growth perspective which a lot of your audience probably is is, is in right now but I, I will say that all the growth of a team is also predicated on that you're attracting and training highly skilled salespeople. otherwise you're going to waste money and not have profit so i'd love to come back in man Okay. Yeah, I love the topic today. Actually, this is very greedy of me because there's a lot of leaders emerging in my organization and they need to hear this conversation. So this was amazing. But yeah, you know, beyond that. So Bill, I'm going to say, we're going to say this will be part one completion and yes. we will find ourselves into another one of these. Um, yeah. For everybody listening, if, if what Bill is uh, speaking about or resonates, please drop us a message and uh, please stay tuned for the next round. So yeah, please Bill, so follow me, follow me on at coach uh, on Instagram at coach pipes. I'd love to be able to stay in communication with the guys and be able to support Harvard as I can. That's at C O A C H pipes, like water pipes, my last name. So Darren, yes, thanks, brother. I mean, you'll get to see Bill as a person as well. And all the, the feats he's taken on personally are incredible. Yeah. Thanks, so brother. again, guys that are in top production, top of their, do this in all parts of their life and follow Bill so you can see that he's doing this, not just from being at the top of the charts as a coach, but also what he's doing physically and in, in life is pretty amazing to see, my friend. Thanks, dude. I appreciate it, Darren. Thanks for having me on, brother. All right. Thanks, thanks guys. Thanks. I'm going to jump off. Thank you.